Okay, so get your Bibles out. I'm going to get off preaching about dead flies for a, a little bit. Y'all are telling me you're getting nervous and seeing flies around your food and just freaking you out. So I have a new message this morning, which really is not a new message. It's just the same old message wrapped a little differently. But go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Now, you know, let me, just, let me just preface this message before I get into it. You know, I, I love you guys. I, I care for you. I care for your well-being. I, 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 you know, as Paul said, the burden of the church comes upon me daily because I, I want to see you all succeed. But it's kind of like I feel like I've been teaching you all to swim. You know, I'm amazed at how many people don't know how to swim. I, I grew up just, you know, down from the Frio River, and, and it just seemed like a natural event to just go swimming. I never even thought about swimming. But I find a lot of people that don't know how to swim. And so for them, the water's fearful, right? To me, the water's not fearful. There's certain places I don't like in the water. I, I don't like certain places because I think I might get eaten by a shark or something, you know. But I, I'm not scared of the water. I know how to swim. Uh, I don't know how long I could tread water, but I could do pretty good for a while. You know, I just don't fear it. And so... Um, so, like, I'm trying to teach y'all how to swim, but I feel like I'm, I feel like that the deluge is coming, and, and we've already started to see the water rise, and I'm just praying with all of my heart that y'all are good swimmers, that you've learned, and you're good swimmers, because when the, when the flood comes, I'm not going to be able to instruct you anymore about swimming. You either have learned how to swim, and you're going to do it, or you're going to drown. Now... I'm not going to tell you th this morning that I'm, you know, prophesying that this is what's the next event's going to come place, going to come to place on the earth. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how Jesus's timetable's working. I don't know all the things, but I'm just looking at the times. Okay. You know, I've, I've pastored this church for 30 years. 30 years ago, I was not concerned with security. 30 years, I got up every morning, I just prayed. I did not pray that we wouldn't have a shooter. It, the thought never crossed my mind 30 years ago. Y'all with me? Uh, could have some kind of something else happen, but not that. You, right, you see what I'm saying? Times are changing. We see any of us. We just have to open our eyes and look at the things that are going on in the world to know that things are worse now than they were 30 years ago. Hello? Y'all with me? Okay, so... It shouldn't be a shocker then we read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, why are the perilous times coming? For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now look at this last part. Having a form, a form of godliness, but denying its power. Isn't that, they, they list, he lists this whole list of things, you know, unloving, uncaring, you know, all these things. And then he gets down to the end and he says, 
they're, they're, have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. In other words, they're not looking to God to be their source, but they have a form of godliness. So then I'm putting it in the category of religiousness. They're religious, but they don't really want the power of God in their lives. You know why? Because when the power of God's in your life, then you're convicted that you're not as much like Jesus as you think you are. Hello? Have a form of godliness. Wow, that just blows my mind. This is a sign of the time. Now, we look around at what's going on in the world. We look around and we see things that are happening. Right now, the devil is feeling pretty good. If it's a boxing match, the devil's probably ahead in the count. And the reason why is because we, the people, have not risen up. Because most of the time, good people, conservative people, we tend to not want to be the guy out in the street with a sign shouting, protesting. That's not our style, right? We want to do the good things and we feel good that we go vote and we do this and then we're disappointed and the person we voted for doesn't do what we thought they were going to do and nothing changes or, you know, everything stays the same. And so we good people, we want to be like that. But I want to tell you something. The time is here. It's not coming. The time is now that we the people better start rising up and we the people better start standing not in a form of godliness but in godliness in America. You say, well, Pastor, I don't like to get too political. Well, it's not political. Listen to me. You have to understand something. I am not being political this morning. I have told y'all. For years now, this is not about politics. This is about good and evil. This is about right and wrong. This is about standing for godliness and the word of the living God. Okay? That's what it's about. We do not fight people. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rules of darkness. That's who we wrestle against. So I preached this message to you the last the, the two series about dead flies about that, how religious spirits wants to come into you and they want to whisper to you, they want to speak to you, they want to get you fighting in the wrong area. <clears throat> and see, even this morning as I'm preaching this, I, I, I'm looking at your faces and I don't really know what you're thinking. You know, some of you may be thinking, oh, man, I'm hungry. But I, I'm just telling you, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to challenge you this morning because I believe the face of church has to change. I don't want to have just a message that y'all come into and I preach a message to you and it tickles your ears and you think, wasn't that funny? And you go home and it's the same. No, I want to give you something to fight with because I'm telling you the flood's coming and I'm telling you, you better be able to stand and fight and you better be able to rebuke devils and you better be able to recognize devils and you better get ready for these perilous times because they are at your back door and about to open the door. And too many Christians are being who say they're Christians, I, I don't want to question their Christianity, but I'm just saying they say they're Christians are just giving up, just falling apart, going off, quitting, doing something different. Well, we just feel like there's this change. No, there's not. It's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things that enter in it. It says, choke the word out of you. 
so that you're not on, on key. You know, I'm a kind of person that <clears throat> sometimes I'm really good, like when someone says something to me, I got a real good comeback and I can just... <laughs> but I tend to be mostly the guy that like three days later says, oh man, why didn't I say this? And God tends to work with me that like, I, like I'm not talking about ugly conversation or anything, just general conversation. Sometimes like three days later, in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit will bring it up and say, okay, now you understand that the, what y'all were talking about, and this is what they're saying, but this is really what they're saying, and this is why they were saying this, because of this. And I get it like three days later. You know, I'd look so smart if I could just do it right there. And say, oh. But I get it like three days later. By then, you know, I said, well, what do I do with it now, Lord? But it's so aware, I'm so aware of that, that folks, listen to me, that the enemy right now, the next day, I mean, we, we were sitting along, we're rocking along in 20, February of 2019. Nobody's thinking anything. We're just going about life. We're complaining about the election. All of a sudden, the world's locked down. Everything's changed. And from that moment on, with COVID restrictions, came in on everything. And, and the world, our worlds got changed. Hello? Are y'all with me? No one expected that. No one was sitting around saying, you know, I just feel like I should go buy some masks. That wasn't on anybody's thoughts. I need to go get me some ivermectin. Hello? Well, there's something else about to happen. Listen to me. Just like that suddenly came upon us and we didn't expect it. I'm trying to get you this time in ready for what's coming I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you what it looks like. I can just tell you what I feel down inside of my heart. But it's going to have to do with a religious spirit. It's going to have to be, it's going to be something in the nature of, of uh, pressure upon Christians, pressures upon churches, uh, not accepting the agendas going on. There's something I don't know. I don't know exactly know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to fit. I don't know. I can't tell you I'm sorry. I'm not that all-seeing of a prophet. I'm just telling you, down inside of my heart, down here when I pray, God says, man, you need to tell the people to get ready. You need to get them prepared. Because you know what happens to us? Like, I don't know if y'all, you know, I, I hope not, but if you've ever been sucker punched, I have been before. Standing around minding my own business and got sucker punched. You're shocked. You're not expecting it. If somebody's standing in front of you saying, hey, what's your you know, then I'm ready. But when you're just standing there minding your own business, you get sucker punched. It takes you a moment to get up and figure out, wow, what happened? Right? Okay. So I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to be over there. You're already in the corner saying, yeah, pastor said it's coming. I'm ready. And the minute the devil raises his head up in your life, you're like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he's like, oh, you done got him, you see. I'm trying to get everything to change. And so the title of this message is today, The Right Posture for the End Times. The Right Posture for the End Times. This word posture, you know, you, 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 may have been, you may have been raised, your mother would say, sit up. 
Quit slouching. Sit up. Okay? The right posture. Posture, in Webster's Dictionary, defines this as the position or the bearing of the body, whether characteristic or assumed for a special purpose. Another one is a state or condition at a given time, especially with respect to capability in the particular circumstance. In other words, your posture has everything to do with this. I was watching, uh, I'll get in trouble on this one, but it was just too funny. You can go find it. I was watching some, some reels or some shorts, and it was showing presidents shaking hands. I don't know if anybody saw this. It had President Bush shaking hands and how he addressed leaders, and then it had uh, President Trump shaking hands and how he did it, and then President Biden, how he did it. And, um, yeah, a few chuckles there. You can just imagine, you can just imagine what this looked like. But the posture of President Trump, and that's what it was showing, of the way that in every person he shook hands, of course, he's a big guy. And the way he shook hands with people and the way he, uh, oh, he showed him shaking hands with, with uh, Vladimir Putin. And he reached out and grabs his hand and then whoop, just pulled him into him. Hey, how you doing, you know? And you all know, you know, cowboys, you know, that's almost fight right there, man. You just don't do that. And so he just grabbed him and pulled him up for how you doing, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, cool, you know? So your posture means everything. I watched a video this week of a man who had been interviewing everything from every kind of deviant that you can imagine, uh, rapists, pedophiles, um, um, other people that were just criminals and, 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 and interviewing them of why they chose their victims. How did they choose their victims? And then he was taking this, turning it around and using it as a self-defense thing to teach people and say, hey, look, you know, this is what they're looking for and this is the signs they're looking for and so don't do that. And I was shocked because the number one thing, especially in, in child predators, is that they looked at the family unit, especially the father. And if the father was aggressive, they left the kids alone. Just left them alone, so no, we're not going to mess with them. Also, it started talking about that people that were like, are you going to mug you or whatever? That if that you're, the posture of the person, the way that they walked and all, was a sign, oh, well, that was going to give us too much trouble. Don't do that. Let me tell you something. The devil is the same way. The devil is the same way. And how you're walking and living your Christian life, he's looking at you saying, is he an easy mark or not? So your posture means everything. Your spiritual posture means everything in life. You may not be one of the, one of the mightiest women of God I ever knew was Sister Dodge, and she didn't make five feet. So it doesn't have to do with your stature. It has to do with your your, your posture inside of you, your character, who you are, and what you're standing on. Listen to me. The devil knows if you have doubts. You know why he knows? It's not because he can read your mind. It's because he listens to what comes out of your mouth. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Are you all hearing me this morning? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 6, I'm starting verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. 
and, his tra- and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he had covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The one, and then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go tell this people. Keep on hearing, but you do not understand. Keep on seeing, but you do not perceive. What a, what a, what a, a scene here of the curtains being folded back from earth to be able to see what's taking place in heaven. God on the throne, seraphim angels flying. Here's Isaiah. He says, woe is me, man. I, I can see I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, because he was so into the presence of God, his sin was revealed to me. But the angel had an answer. Touched his lips with the fire of God. Now he's forgiven. So then he's saying, who's going to go? And I said, man, I'll go. Well, a while ago he was just saying, woe is me. Now he's over here saying, send me. What a change. All because the angel touched him. It's time for Christians to be touched by the Spirit of God so that all of a sudden you're not sitting around saying, woe is me, but you're saying, where do you want me to go? It's time for the Spirit of God. That's the true revival or reformation we need on the face of the earth today, that there's Christians sitting around who have listened to the lie of the enemy for so long that he has beat them down, stolen their joy, stolen their peace. They don't think they can make it. They feel old. They feel tired. And they're not doing anything. And they need a touch from the spirit of the living God so that they'll rise up and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I can do it. Got no problems. Their posture changes from a woe is me to a here I am, send me. Amen? So I'm going to give you eight things that you need in your posture. Number one is, hear me now, you need to have an understanding of the spiritual realm. You see, Christians are going along and and they're trying to rationalize and intellectualize the Bible and then apply that to the churches. And I'm telling you, God's ways are not our ways. That his thinking is not our thinking. His thinking's above our thinking. And the only thing you can do is cooperate with him. Because as long as you're trying to figure it out, you're never going to move with God. 
Ecclesiastes said the man will never cast his bread upon the water if he's always looking at the waves of coming in and out. I'm paraphrasing that, but he's not going to do it. And if you're trying to walk with God, but you just don't understand things, and you're just, you're just kind of reserved, and you're like, ooh, I just don't know if I understand this born-again stuff, and I don't know. I just kind of like to be a little, you know, I, just, just, I want to be a part of the things of God, but I just kind of like to be over here and be a little quiet, and just, I, I just like to do this job, Lord. Listen to me, you don't get a choice. You do what God asks you to do. Hello? But you have to have an understanding of the spiritual realm. You have to understand that heaven is real. Folks, my goodness gracious, the things that are going on, the horrors and the wickedness that are being done to these children, do they not understand that there is nothing for them except the fires of hell? They won't burn in hell, I'm telling you. You say, oh, Pastor, it's this horrible. I'm telling you, you don't do that kind of thing and go to heaven. Heaven's real. That's my, my, my dwelling place. I, yes, I live in Texas, praise God, and, 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 I, and I'm a citizen of the United States. But I want to tell you something. My citizenship, eternal citizenship is heaven. I'm headed to heaven, man. I'm not going to go to heaven with a blue passport. My wife don't need to put my passport in my coffin. Hello? I mean, I... I I'm going to walk in the things of the kingdom of God, not the things of the kingdom of this world. We have to understand this. We have to get a revelation of this. Do not build your kingdom on this earth. Jesus said then the, the moth and the rust is just going to come in here and eat it all up. But you've got to have a kingdom built in heaven. You've got to have treasures in heaven. Heaven's what you're going to live in. Listen, you're never going to get rid of me. If you don't like me now, you better get used to me because I'm going to be around forever. I'm never going to die. I'm going to heaven. And then you get there and say, there's old Robert. I'm going to be there preaching, shouting, jumping up and down. I'm not dying. This earth suit may fall off me one day. But I'm going to heaven. You've got to have a revelation of an understanding of the spirit realm. You've got to have an understanding that there are angels. This morning, right now, there's angels in this room. I don't see them. But I know they're here. How do I know they're here? Because I know the Bible tells me they are. Angels are real. You see, church, so much you're fed propaganda. If you don't think you're feeding, being fed propaganda and trying to be manipulated, then just take your phone all day long. Speak over your phone. Don't turn it on. Don't have to. Speak over your phone. Well, we need to buy a new barbecue pit. We need to buy a new barbecue pit. I'd like a new barbecue pit. I don't know what's the best barbecue pit. Just start saying a few key words like that. I, I, I don't know if I want a gas pit. Maybe I want a gas barbecue pit. Maybe I want a charcoal barbecue pit. Just say it over your phone. Don't take but a couple of hours. You just keep doing that, and then you start watching everything you traffic, everything you look at, every advertisement is going to be a barbecue pit. If you don't believe it's true, just try it. Go see it. Watch it. You remember me talking about Geritol? Remember I was laughing and saying about Geritol? My phone's sitting right there on the pulpit, and I only preached that and said that talking about Geritol while I was preaching. And the next day I got all this. It wasn't Geritol, but it was all kinds of, of uh, make you feel better as you get older. Came up on my phone from my one preaching message that it was sitting there listening to me. 
You don't think you're being manipulated. You don't think it's been put in front of you. Listen to me. God is doing great things over the earth, but it doesn't come up over the algorithm. There are miracles and things happening. Jesus is appearing to people in the Muslim world, coming into their houses and talking to them. They're getting saved. There are miracles and signs and wonders going on in China. There, there's unbelievable things taking place all over the world. Miracles in people's lives, but that's not headline news. So you're not being fed that, and the algorithm is not putting that up. So you're being fed something, and you think, well, God's not moving. God's moving, folks. I'm telling you. God is alive and well. There are, there are, there is, the devil is being defeated, and God is on the throne in so many areas. But if you just sit here, and you look at your phone, and you just talk to your friends, and you keep yourself in an isolated world, you don't know the miracles of all the things God's doing around the world. And so you become discouraged, and you think God's not moving. You think the heavenly realm's not real. You think God's not answering prayer. God is answering prayer. The church that is the most laxed is America. Sad to say. We've been the most generous nation in the world. Never has been a nation like us. There's nobody is more giving and loving than Americans. Anybody in the world will tell you that. We have done so much. We've done so much with the American church has grown cold and dead. They're not on fire for God. They just want, they, they, they've gotten comfortable. They're not seeking God. They're not crying out for God. They're not hungry for God. Because they're comfortable. Because we're in a very comfortable nation. But take that comfort away, and what are people going to do? Well, if the comfort leaves, I'm believing God for a bunch of good swimmers. I'm believing God for people who's Bags of rice don't go empty. I sat down one day, and, and I started looking at, at if you were going to be a survivalist, and I started looking at, well, the things you would have to have, and then, you know, no matter what you could stockpile, eventually you were going to run out. I mean, there had to be a replenishing. It had to come back in somehow. And I was just praying and, and saying, Lord, you know, how do you do this? I mean, how would this be possible and, and and, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. You, you, you know, you, you got to have a supply coming in. And I didn't hear anything, got no answer. Then that day I was reading my Bible and I started laughing because everywhere I read, I was reading about the miracles where Peter's in prison and then an angel comes and opens up the door and taps him on the side and says, hey, get up, let's go, and the chains fall off. So you can't put that in your survival package, right? You know, like you, you got to be a Christian connected to God in order to walk in that. And then I began to read about like Elisha when the, the soup's poison and he just throws some salt in it and it's all well. And about how Jesus multiplied the fish and took the little boy's lunch and multiplied, fed 5,000. And I said, you know, Lord, it's a whole lot better just get connected to you and believe God for miracles. And so I just had to come, you know, we're going to have dinner on the grounds and we come with one little bag of rice and one little bag of beans. And I said, well, come on, Jesus, and shake them up and we all get fed. Right? That's a whole lot better survival uh, mechanism than me trying to store beans. Hello? 11. I mean, it obviously says angels are here for us. There is an angelic beings created by God that are assigned to you to be ministering spirits, to heed the word of God of everything coming out of your mouth to move on your behalf. The Bible says... You can't entertain them. So they could be appeared as in human form. So, well, I don't know, Pastor, you're getting spooky. 
You know what's funny? I heard a pastor say this. It's not original for me. I heard a pastor say this. He said, I can preach on demons and people are more apt to be okay with it than when I preach on angels. When I preach on angels, everybody gets kind of the willies. But you can preach on a demon and they're like, oh yeah, we've been watching movies. <laughs> we know all about that. Angelic beings sent to you. Now, if you just want to go do some studying, because I'm thinking about preaching a message on angels, so that's why I have some data, but I'm not doing it today, where, where uh, you know, the Bible says there's an innumerable multitude of angels, and there's so many you can't count them, and it says that a third of them fell, so that means two-thirds are on our side and a third's on the other side. So we have two-thirds of an innumerable multitude. That's a lot of good angels. Hello? So my point is, is that I'm just saying, these are things, the spiritual realm that's real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not some, some, you know, Pentecostal preaching. This is Bible 101, angels. But do we believe it? Do we walk in it? Do we understand it? Okay? How about Psalms 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. So how do you get this revelation of heaven? There's only one way. Ephesians 1, 17. That the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him. Listen to me. I mean, I, I'm not here to beat you up this morning. Do you all know that? I'm here to love you. And I'm here to challenge you. And I'm here to poke you and prod you and, and yeah, move you on a little bit, you know. But I'm not here to beat you or tear you up. God loves you, and I love you. But, you know, it's like, like your kid. You can go tell your kid, oh, my gosh, I'm, uh, my son, love him with all of my heart. Successful man. But I'm telling you, as a kid, I want to beat him with a stick. Every single day, sitting at the table, getting ready to go to school with this blank look on his face, trying to do his homework, a pencil in his hand, paper sitting there, and he's just sitting there. Am I telling the truth? Holy moly, I didn't know what we would do with this kid. Couldn't do it. I mean, just sit there, just with a blank stare on his face, not doing his homework. I mean, it's just like pulling teeth. We wanted him to succeed. We wanted him to accomplish his homework. We wanted him to learn, right? But, I mean, there was a, there was, there was a deadpan look in his face. Praise God, he made it and he did good. But I'm just saying, he's a little kid. It was like, man, Nick and Tuck, I didn't know what was going on. I prayed, Jesus, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. But uh, the same with you. I'm not here to beat you up, okay? I'm here to challenge you. But I'm just telling you, you're not going to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him unless you sit down and make time to seek him. You've got to understand how much time are you spending with the cares of the world versus seeking God. These are times we need to seek God. When I was young, we first got married, I didn't want to pray with my wife because I was embarrassed. She didn't want to pray with me because she didn't think, she thought I could pray better than she could. And so, uh, but we just didn't, you know, and, and so there was this, e, man, we got to get all those things out of the way. These are days that you need to know that you know that you can cast the devil out if he met, shows up at your door. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So when the guy shows up at your door and you say, huh, did you know you have a devil? He said, we don't do that. The flood's coming. Things are going crazy. Folks, listen to me. When, you, when you're chant down the street and a deal is we are and, we are and we're coming for your children, you better get ready. If you don't know go what that means, go look it up. 
I'm telling you, the world's getting vicious and violent towards depravity or depravity. And you better be willing to stand up and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you foul devil from the pit of hell. You ain't touching me nor my children. You better be willing to go to your school boards, go to your school board meetings, go into your schools and say, we ain't having this stuff. You're not going to do that in the name of Jesus. That is demonic. Well, we have to love everyone. No, you don't. It's a devil. You don't love devils. You cast them out. But we said, well, we just don't like to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's just not something that, wait a minute. How about Matthew 13, 45? 13, 45. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Listen to me. Why aren't we... The people, why aren't we so in love with Jesus, so passionate about Jesus? We want to see people rescued because we don't want them to see, see them go down that road that we know is going to lead to destruction. And so it becomes a passion for us. And so we rebuke devils and get things out of the way and stand up for stuff and say, that's not right. Because we know that if they go down that road, it's going to lead to shipwreck. Isn't that love? You have a friend, you keep seeing them keep messing up, doing the same thing wrong, and you're just like, stop it. That won't work. Quit doing that. Am I right? Okay. So what I'm saying is I'm feeling the flood coming, and it's up to us to really get with it. And to get rid of it. Quit getting distracted by these demonic things and, and, and letting the devil harass you, and you're over here feeling like, you're fat and ugly when you should be out walking and saying, helping somebody else and loving them and helping them get to Jesus and just tell the devil, get out of here. Avetadeki! Get out of here. Amen? Look at the person beside you and say, Pastor's really preaching good this morning. Okay, let me give you number two. And don't worry, I'll never get to number eight. I saw a video. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. There was this burly big guy. I don't know who he was. Burly big guy. And he's out on the streets, and, and, and it's Satanist out protesting. And there's a guy dressed with, I mean, I mean, he was pierced all over. Had him a, a hood, some horns on his, uh, uh, I mean, like a hoodie with horns on it. And he's out there and they were they were I don't know what they I don't guess they were protesting I guess they were just uh, exalting Satan okay and this guy goes up to him and your first thought was his man's gonna punch him in the face and he walks up to this Satanist I mean gnarly looking Satanist too not like a little tender one I mean this is a gnarly looking and he goes up to him and he says he says can I speak to you for just a second? And the guy turns to him, and then you just see him just like wall goes up, and he's like, yeah, thinking that he's going to. And he says, I'm just so sorry for you that you were raised in a family that you never understood how valuable you are. And I'm thinking, how is this going to end? And he says, and, 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 and you never knew your value, but I just want you to understand there is a God who loves you. 
And I didn't know this. And I lived a destructive life. And I did this and I did that. And then finally I ended up about to blow my brains out. And I heard the still small voice down on the inside of me say, I love you. And I, I thought, who has said that? And so I didn't kill myself. And I found out later it was Jesus. And I love Jesus. And I gave my life for him. And he loves you. And this Satanist just started weeping. I mean, when I was watching the video, you could feel the anointing on this thing. And, and, and the Satanist just starts weeping. And he said, brother, can I pray for you? And he's like, yes. And they put their heads together. And he held the Satanist and led him to Jesus. And I thought to myself, isn't that funny? There was no threats. There was no, I'm going to beat you, you know. No, 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 no loud voices or anything. Simply the still small voice of God, the loving hand of Jesus speaking to this young man who was lost going down the wrong road and someone else that had been lost going down the wrong road spoke to him and there was somebody delivered and saved. So the second thing is that you have to have an awareness of is folks that listen to me, it's souls. I mean, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And to love your neighbors yourself. This, this flood that's coming is going to want to take souls to hell. And it's up to us to be the people who are sensitive to the heart of Jesus. So that we can rescue souls, we can tell people about Jesus, can tell them the good news, tell them that God loves them and wants them to experience heaven. But if you don't have that heart, you're going to miss it. And our job is to sit here and, and quit arguing politics, quit arguing agendas, quit, man, just love people. But you're not moving off of your stance, you know? Tell me, I'll tell you, man, I'm here. I'm not, I love you, but I'm not moving off my stance. I believe the Bible's true. I'm pleading with you like the guy buying the field. I want that field. I want your soul because, man, you're going down a bad path and it's not going to end up good. It amazes me how there is so much today of hate. And people pushing their agendas. And there's such hate with it. And they, they're wishing people would die and stuff. And I'm like, man, dude, that's the wrong spirit. Of course it is. It's not of God. It's of the devil. We're to we want to rescue souls. We want to rescue souls. We want people to know Jesus is their form and that they can go to heaven. And that he'll forgive them of their sins. And they can be washed in the blood. And there's power in the blood. Amen? And the same freedom we got. But see, the devil has beat us up so much and put us down so much that we're, we're racist and we're homophobic and we're this and we're that as Christians when the truth of the matter is we love souls. We want to see souls right, but we know there's only one truth. There's only one way. And it's the word of God. And if they grab a hold of it, then you can find victory and freedom because that's what we found. Hello? You know, when I, I, I've used this illustration before, but I don't know why, but in like the fifth and the sixth grade, for PE every day, they used to go out and the kids, we played Red Rover. All right? 
And Red Rover, to me, was kind of a, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it for one, one reason. There was always a captain on each side, and they picked people to be on the team. And then I would watch. And see, I know God was dealing with me way back then, but I didn't understand it. I would sit back, and I would watch who got picked, and I always felt sorry for the little scrawny kid at the end because nobody wanted him because they knew that that was the weak link in the chain. And so they threw him at the end of the Red Rover line. And then, in reverse, it took place because when you were calling for a Red Rover, Red Rover, let so-and-so come over, it was the scrawny kid they were trying to get over because they knew he couldn't break the line, right? So I, I like I said, I, I, I just, it would always bother me. And I would look at this, and I know it was just the Spirit of God dealing with me. And then I felt sorry for the scrawny kid. So I became the... Defender of the underdogs. I just always took up for them. And most of my fights and altercations came about by getting mad at the person who was picking on the underdog, and I stepped up. And I know that was the Spirit of God. When I look back on it, it was God. You know, it wasn't in the right form. It wasn't, I can tell you I did not follow the Spirit of God, but it was God working in me, okay? Because it brings me to number three. Number three is, is that you have to be able to stand for righteousness. Why? Because he's righteous. Jesus, he's righteous. You have to have a position that you're standing for righteousness. I love Hebrews 1 and 8. It says, but, the, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and you hated lawlessness or you hated evil. You loved righteousness and you hated evil. The third thing is, is you have to have a position of, that you're standing not because this is your thoughts or your opinion or you think it's best. You have to stand because God is the one who has set up what is right. Think of this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to adhere to his word because he is holding the scepter of righteousness. You follow me? So it's not your opinion, it's his word. And I don't know why people think they need to change their Bible. That's what I can't get over. Why do people think they need to change the Bible? Well, the Bible's not relevant for the time that we're at. And, you know, we, as we've advanced, no, you've just gotten stupider. There's no advancement. You're not more intellectual now than you were then. The Bible, if it was relevant 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it, it's relevant today. He's the righteous one, right? And all we have to do is say, look, I don't, I don't have all this spelled out and figured out, but I just understand this much. He's right and you're wrong. And I'm standing here for righteousness. What do y'all want me to do? Pressure come on me that, that you know, things are going to happen and I need to change the way I preach? And so you say, well, pastor, we understand sometimes you got to give up because, you know, I mean, they're going to put you in prison. And first of all, they ain't putting me in prison. Got to catch me first. And so... All I'm saying is, if you have a stance for righteousness, well, then, folks, you're, you're on the rock. 
and you, you can't be moved. There's nothing to worry about. I don't have to answer all their questions. I just have to know what the Word of God says. These are things we've got to get in. When someone comes up and says to you, you know, well, what do you believe? The church you go to, what, you know, what denomination you go to or whatever. You say, no, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. <clears throat> okay, I got to tell you this one. I received an email uh, came through the church email, and it was about the strangest, weirdest email I've ever gotten in life. It was from some person that was really weird, who was all concerned about the, the, the eclipse taking place, and these events were going to happen on the earth, and we needed to be ready, and they were wanting me to do some kind of crazy prayer vigil, and, and, and it was bizarre. As I read through this thing, it was really a bizarre, bizarre email, okay? And I get crazy things all the time, but this one was like, it was up there. And um, so anyway, I didn't think much about it. And uh, person showed up in town. So let me just tell you this. That's one incident. But I'm going to tell you something. In our little sleepy town right here, you better just hang on because what's coming in October and next April. These are real events of the eclipse taking place. Here's the epicenter. And if I've already gotten one when it's not even the time that they're showing, what's going to happen? Fruit Loops are coming by the droves. See, we think these things aren't real. They don't touch us. But we're about to just get a massage in Fruit Loops. Hello? You think we're isolated and we can't have, oh, that, that, that won't happen here. They only do that kind of stuff in New York and stuff. Maybe on a smaller scale, but I'm telling you, Fruit Loops are coming. And are you going to be ones that stand up for righteousness? Are, we, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you settled in your heart? Can someone come and talk and have a conversation with you and trip you up to where you finally just get mad? You say, you better shut up or I want to hit you. See, you didn't win, right? I mean, we can always revert to that. But that's not the way the Lord wants us to do I want to win the Satanist. Let me just give you the last, the, the number four here. I'm halfway through, so. I, it ain't going to take long because y'all are. See, you preach this every Sunday. The fourth thing is, is what I just got through saying, is that you have to stand on the word. Listen, folks, just keep your Bible. Just when people challenge you, just say, Do, have you read your Bible? Now, you need to be versed in your Bible enough to know that you can tell them that. Right? But if this is truth in life, just, just show them the Bible. This is what you're standing on. Jesus can argue the point himself. You don't have to come up with something that Josephus said, you know, 2,000 years ago that, you know, in the Nicene courts they did. You know, no, just the Bible. Be the Bible. Just lay it out and say, here's what the word says. In John 6, 68, the scripture for that, Peter said in him, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It is the words of eternal life. This is it. But folks, listen to me. Your answer for what's going on in the world is in standing in righteousness is, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe the Bible is true. Read it. But I'm telling you, you're going to be challenged. Challenged, challenged to back off that statement.
He said, no. How could that be? It can be. <clears throat> Let's look back in history. Sunday afternoons in Nero's court, you would be food for the lions. Why? Because you didn't believe like they believed. And so they took sport in letting lions kill you, and they enjoyed it. Can you imagine being so depraved that you want to hurry up and go back and eat your lunch? Or, oh, let, well, let's just get a burger at the, at the Christian killing this afternoon. What are y'all going to do? Oh, we're going. Didn't you hear? They got a, I got a couple of fat Christians. They're going to run them out through the lines. It's going to be really fun to watch them. If that's your thinking? Well, who would have thought that a city in Canada would let people parade down the street naked in front of children just because they have a certain agenda? And it's okay. Who would say that was okay? I mean, some of the things that are taking place today, I'm like dumbfounded. I'm like, I, they did what? And everybody said it's okay? You know, man, I had two godly grandparents. And I got to see, I was so blessed. I got to see the age in life where they slept in twin beds. Right? They didn't even sleep in the same bed. Slept in twin beds. I mean, my goodness, if you would have even, even I mean, they would, they would die from the commercials today. I mean, I'm just telling you, they would, they would have, my poor little old grandmother would have a heart attack at just the commercials. Forget the shows. Just the commercials. I could just see her just, oh, turn it off, oh my God. As if they had been defiled. Right? Because that's, where they, that's how they lived. They lived a very godly life. Yet today we accept and just let everything go by. And it's time for we the people to rise up and stand in righteousness and say that enough's enough and we're not going to have that. So I'm going to get in this message about what we can do, but just to let you know, you have to affect your world right now. That means your school, your town, your government, your local government, whatever. You got, we got to get in there. We got to sit there and say, hey, we ain't doing this. We ain't going down this road. Bunch of idiots. Hello? Now, I have four more of having your proper posture for this time, right? So what I want to encourage you about today, and if you will, just stand up. Put your Bibles up and stand up. Let me have my prayer team come down. Because of y'all's reaction today, I guess I was a little too hard, and y'all seemed pretty somber. So let me tell you something good to end on so you'll come back next week. I'm telling you, I'm, I, this is what I believe, that God is about to do some of the greatest things for y'all. I believe with all of my heart that there is going to be an infusion of the Spirit of God in these last days. I believe y'all are going to be the boldest, most unbelievable, uh, just, just unstoppable Christians on the face of this earth. I believe you're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe that when you're going to just be walking, somebody says, you know, something, and you say, well, here, let me pray for you. And then, boom, man, Spirit of God hits that person. I believe it. I'm believing for great things. Listen to me. I don't know how it's going down. You're going to have the, the anointed cookie anointing where we, you just bake one batch and they last for a year. I'm telling you, man, this is the greatest days to be alive. Not the worst days, but the greatest days. 
They're bad if you don't know Jesus. But if you know Jesus, it's the greatest days of your life. And where you don't need to be called to Ethiopia. You're called here to Utopia. You, 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 don't, you don't need to worry about starting a worldwide ministry and, 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 and all this. kind. Of, no, no, no. What you need to do is just right in your own area, just be godly. Stand for righteousness. Raise your children to love God. Let them, everybody you around be influenced by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And when you do that, you're going to see God move. And there's a day coming where y'all aren't going to let me preach because you're going to be standing here lined up in a testimony of what you've seen God do that week. And you're going to be all out there saying, Pastor, I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to preach. Look at what God did. Look at what God did. You're going to come in with testimony after testimony. testimony. That's what I'm seeing going to happen. So, so look at the person beside you and say, hey, you're doing a good job. I mean, at least you got up and came to church this morning. Amen? Do you believe this? Do you want this? Do you want God to use you? Amen. Well, then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're up here up front. But listen to me. If you're out there listening or watching, and you don't know Jesus, and all this that I'm speaking today is just new, well, listen to me. Right wherever you are, if you call out upon the name of the Lord, the Bible said you'd be saved. Jesus will touch you right there. There's no distance in spirit. He can touch you right wherever you are. If you're in this building today and you're not sure if you die today, you're going to go to heaven. You're not sure heaven is your eternal home. Well, that's why we've got prayer people up here. For you to just walk up here at the end of the service and just ask them to pray with you and you can't even imagine. God will touch you right there. Your whole life will change. Amen? Maybe you have another prayer need. Maybe something else is going on. That's why we have prayer people up here. So use them. Amen? Now, I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now, I just declare in Jesus' name over this whole congregation. I declare that that today their postures are changing. I declare today, Lord, they're beginning to stand upright and erect. They're proud that they're a Christian. They're, they're, They're strong in their faith. They love you, Jesus, and they love standing in righteousness. And so, Lord, I praise you for blessing them putting your hand upon them, getting them to the place in life, Lord God, that that they are so strong as a Christian, so strong as a Christian that, Lord, you just love to use them, love to move with them, love to flow through them, and, Lord, that they are blessed in everything that they do. So, Lord, I praise you for a great week. I thank you, Lord, for just working with us and moving in us and just touching us and blessing us. I declare every devil is defeated and, God, you are on the throne of their life and the blood of Jesus is crying out over each one of them. So, Lord, we give you praise and we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church.